0: Morning. going to open your Bibles to Psalms chapter fifty one Psalms chapter fifty one. Um, and if you would stand with me as we read this morning. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from the blood guiltiness, O O God. Thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of Thy righteousness. O Lord, open Thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth Thy praise. For Thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I have given. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with the burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. Let's pray. Father, thank you that uh, you are a merciful God. Lord, We stand in Your presence, Father, not in our own righteousness, but because of the forgiveness that we've received through the finished work of Christ. Lord, You remember that we are but dust. So often, Lord, we fall short of Your mark. But we have a God that we can come to and confess our sins. And You are faithful and just, Lord, to forgive us of our sins. And, Lord, You cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I pray, Lord, that our hearts would be saddened and broken when we transgress against Your work and that we would realize that we have sinned against You and we would make those things right. Father, I pray that You would restore to us the joy of Your salvation. Be with the pastor this morning as he speaks. I pray that Your Holy Spirit would have free reign in our hearts. And that we would focus on Your Word and hear what You have for us this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
1: Well, good morning, everyone. It is good to see you out. Uh, turn me up just a little bit. There we go. That's a little better. Good job. Uh, we could spend the entire hour on this text alone, could we not? Uh, there is so much in... Uh, when I say the depth of the Word of God, all wrapped up in a psalm, it's right here. Uh, many of us know the story behind this particular psalm, but maybe some here do not, and allow me to go uh backward and uh, to bring the the elements of why David penned this psalm down, and you say, "Boy, he was really hard him, himself here saying how bad he was and how wrong and guilty he was. Well, the background is, it was a time period when David, typically kings were at war, and he stayed. As he was up on a high roof, he sees a woman who was married to another man, and he desired her and committed adultery. And she conceived And as she conceived this child, he determined that somehow, some way, he was going to go ahead and cover his sin. And he brought the husband off of the field. He was at war, hoping that he would go in unto his own own wife and, and he would think that the baby was his. But this man was so loyal the husband that is, to the cause of the war, that he would not even engage with his wife because he said the men that I have around me don't have this privilege, there's no way I'm going to do that. David goes to a point where he he even gets your eye uh, drunk thinking maybe if he gets drunk, maybe then he'll go ahead and enjoy uh, the intimacy with his wife, but he would not. And since that took place, David could only find one way to cover his sin, and that was to have Uriah uh, killed. So he puts him at the front of the battle. The rest of the men start pulling back. So not only Uriah, but other men that were at the front of the line died at David's command. And when news came back that he had died, uh, this to me is is something that sticks out in, in this whole thing when news came back that, sure enough, Uriah had died, he says, well, the sword takes one man as well as another in war. People die in war. Let's move on. And he just said, okay, it's all covered now. It's good. And it wasn't until a prophet named Nathan comes to him and tells him a story. He tells him this story about one man who had just one little lamb, and there was this man who had just a whole flock. And when it was time to sacrifice one of the lambs and to give it, he instead of taking of a whole of his flock, he took this one little lamb that belonged to this one man. And David, after he hears this story, he says, that man, that king ought to be killed for doing that. He should never have taken that one lamb from that one man. He had all of these. Why would he be so greedy? And those piercing words from Nathan came to David and said, Thou art the man. You're the bad person in this story. And you would think David would have tried to take care of things before that, but it wasn't until things were exposed. That's the background behind Psalm 51. Adultery, a baby born, and by the way, uh, after this David did marry and she did have the child, and that story goes on that the child died, and so there was a grave for this little boy. I want you to remember that there was whether a cave, however they buried this little guy, there was a there was a tomb for this little one, as well as his daddy or excuse me, his his uh his uh the man he had killed Uriah. And so all this is going through his brain and he realized I'm guilty. He had a man killed, a baby is dead, he's taken and committed adultery, and you could almost see him spinning in circles how could i have gone so far how could all of these things happen and i counsel a lot of people and i ask them to do this one thing through it all you stop and when you when we're this low we're just we're just down there in the dirt how did i get here because sometimes people don't realize the steps that it has taken for them to get to there so david now is being open and candid with his God and saying, God, this is where I'm at. This psalm, and like I said, we could spend weeks on this particular psalm, but there were four requests in the first couple of verses that David has. I'm not going to read all of it, but he says, have mercy on me. Second thing he says is, blot out my transgressions. The third thing he says in verse 2 is, wash me. And the fourth thing he says is, cleanse me. These are all the acts of God. He could not do it himself. Man tries his best to undo his wrong, try to cover it, to try to wash it away, to get it out of the memory, but it's there. And it is not until the cleansing that comes from Calvary, the cleansing that comes from the blood of Jesus Christ, the cleansing that comes through God's forgiveness, through His mercy, the washing, the cleansing, the blotting out of it all, it is not until that takes place. And he says, verse 4, against thee and thee only have I sinned. I want you to remember that phrase as he stopped and he realizes he had sinned against Uriah, he had sinned against Bathsheba, he sinned against his people, his wives. I mean, there's so many people that were really affected by this one affair. And yet when he stops and realizes it, but it's ultimately God that I had to be considering and who I have ultimately gone against is my God. And he acknowledges his sinful nature, and in that one phrase, when he says that my sin is ever before me. Every time he walked by that grave, every time he walked by and saw that little boy and remembered him. Every time he saw that burial place for Uriah, every time those skeletons were still in the closet. They wouldn't go away. And yet he is asking God to forgive and to wash and to cleanse and mend the broken bones and all of this takes place. I want to ask you a question now that we have the background. Did David's prayer get answered? You follow me? This is literally a prayer to God. And our question is, did God answer this prayer fully? And our answer is yes. Matter of fact, the blessings begin to come after this is done. Bathsheba happens to be the mother of Solomon. So God restores not only What he had busted up and broken, God restored to bring the next king of Israel. God's a good God. I want to tell you another story now. We're going to break away from this one. Would you go to the New Testament with me? And while you're flipping over to the Gospels, we're going to go to uh, Matthew in chapter 27. And while you're turning there, I want to share with you a definition of what we are talking about today and defining, and that is guilt and understanding guilt. The definition is one who is at fault, one who committed an offense, a crime. Now there's another way of looking at it, and it is the word guilty. OK? The same definition, no doubt, uh, showing uh, one has, has, has been guilty of something, some act of some offense, some crying. But it, when we use the word "guilty" in our English language, it shows one who has the sense of guilt, whether real or imagined. There are times we feel guilty. In Matthew chapter uh, 27, um, this is the story of a man by the name of Judas Iscariot. Verse 3, we begin. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, and him would be, of course, Jesus, when he saw that he was condemned, I want you to notice this, repented himself, brought again the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, what's that to us? See thou to that. In other words, you have your own issues. Well, he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. The chief priest took the silver pieces and said, it is not lawful for to put them into the treasury because it is the price of blood and they took counsel and brought with them, bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in wherefore the field was called the field of blood unto this day then was fulfilled which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet saying and they took the 30 pieces of silver the price of him that was valued whom they of the children of Israel did value and gave them the potter's field as the Lord appointed me. I cannot imagine our Savior through His life here on this earth, especially those last few years, having these 12 men that He was with day in and day out. To have one that He knew the entire time was the one that was going to betray Him. matter of fact, many times you'll see when Judas, his name was mentioned, it would say the one who would betray Him. And even there in the upper room, Jesus looks at this the, the men and says, one of you is going to betray Me. And everybody's like, is it I? Is it I? And then John brings it out. So the one to have supper with. And, and then He looks at Judas and, and it tells us that Satan enters into his heart. And Jesus looks and says, what you're about to do, go. Do it quickly. And He leaves the room. And the men are like, why would He be leaving? We don't even understand this. He 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 betrays... Jesus, and there is no explanation, by the way, in the Bible why. The only thing we know that is that he held the money, so he liked that position. It seems to be that there was greed, because for about 120 days worth of wages, he was willing to betray Jesus, who he knew intimately, saw the miracles, saw everything, went out with the others, just amazing what Judas would have seen, and yet he he followed through with it. And by the way, we've all, in some way, some fashion, have absolutely betrayed our Savior in some way or fashion. But this man, he comes back after the hanging. Or excuse me, after the crucifixion, and after all of this, he realizes what he has done, and he looks and he says to these men that he got this money. He says, I am guilty of this man because he, Jesus, is innocent. And he throws the money down and doesn't even keep that money. And he goes out and he commits suicide. Acts chapter 1 goes even into more detail about the hanging of it, being upside down, etc., he didn't want to escape. He didn't want to be able to tie loose or pull the, the, loose, uh, uh, the noose loose and be able to escape. He wanted to die and hanging there by himself. You see, but it says that he said, I have sinned. Didn't David say the same thing? And didn't, didn't David in our minds receive that forgiveness? You see, Judas was a, what we call a phony follower. He was never a believer. He never had Christ in his mind, as, or Jesus, as the Messiah. He's the one. It was all for the wrong reasons. The other thing I want you to notice in this text, as well as every other text that it mentions, is the only one that he admitted his blame to was man. He never had that confrontation with God. He only talked to man. Ladies and gentlemen, you can tell me all the sin that you have done, but I cannot be the one that intercedes and forgives you or can go to God on your behalf for what you have done wrong. Man is not qualified to do that. And even though his expression to man was, I was wrong, forgiveness for this lost man never came. You cannot go to a man, I don't care if he calls himself a priest, to receive forgiveness from a man. He is not qualified to do that. Timothy tells us we have one God And one mediator between God and man is the man Christ Jesus. He is the only One who is now our High Priest that we go directly to Him in Heaven and He intercedes for us. The Spirit intercedes for us, etc. It is this. Now listen, there are times that if we have done wrong to somebody, we go to them and we say, I am sorry. We do do that. But we also... Go to our God to seek the forgiveness that comes from Him because that's what David says, Lord, it is against You and You alone that I have done this sin and transgression. We have to acknowledge Him. Judas wasn't a believer. And what's sad is there are many people that have done wrong things. They have found themselves out to be guilty. The one who was to blame... And yet the only one that they acknowledge is, I maybe have hurt somebody's feelings. I've done something against man. And there's no acknowledgement to God. And they continue in their pattern. They continue, folks, in that sin. Because it's not forgiven. Guilt. And dealing with it. In Romans chapter 3, and I've got to save some time, that chapter is all about showing to the world that man as a whole is guilty before God. Matter of fact, that's the whole thing. There's none righteous, no, not one. We're all together become unprofitable. The, The list goes on. And then he says and concludes that the world may be found guilty before God. And a lot of people say, well, I'm not guilty. I didn't do anything. I wasn't there, you know, nailing Jesus to the cross. No, but vicariously you were because of Adam. We all are. I'm the one to blame, as the one, one songwriter put it, the day he wore my crown. It's what I was guilty of. Even in, in the, the Gospels, it talks about when uh, Jesus was, it's actually in the book of Mark, when Jesus is before the Sanhedrin high priest, and, and they're talking to him and trying to find the accusation, are you the Christ? And he says, I am. And He confesses to them that He is the Messiah and confesses that He is the Son of God. And it is there that they cry out, He is guilty of death. He is the one now that He is so wrong. But folks, what we realize is He wasn't guilty. He was revealing the truth of Himself and He was not guilty of a crime because He was only revealing truth of who He is. And yet man in their unbelief said we are going to kill him we're going to crucify him he was innocent and yet he took our guilt we were the ones that were wrong we're the sinners in this beautiful vicarious gift of our savior taking our guilt upon himself and we go away innocent it doesn't seem fair But that's why we call it grace. It is His mercy. And because of believing in Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are washed, we are cleansed, we are perfect in His sight. In our position in Jesus Christ, He views you and I as the sons of God. We're in the family. But what happens is sometimes we as Christians... When we begin to look at our debt and what we owe, would you look with me to the book of Luke for a moment? This is a neat way of explaining. Luke and chapter number 7. And we're going to start in verse 40 here. Luke 7 and verse 40. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say to thee. And he said, Master, say on. Well, there was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. So we're dealing with 50 versus 500. And when they had nothing to pay, he... Of course, the one that they were indebted to forgave them both. So now they're both down to zero owed. And he asked Peter the question, Tell me, therefore, which of them, now notice this phrase, will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom forgave, he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged and of course, this is the text where there's a woman and it's brought into the house, and they were saying she's such a sinner, and yet she was adoring and loving the Savior. When we understand our forgiveness, when we understand the mounds, the, the mountains, if you will, of what we were guilty of before our God, and that he takes that and wipes it all away taking it and casting it as far as the east is from the west, into the depths of the sea, never to be brought up, never to be remembered again, we stop and say, wow, God, I love you. And that's what it should do. I wonder though if America is like, of course he did that. Of Of course it's going to happen for me. This is what he did for me. I deserve it. No, folks, we don't deserve the forgiveness. When we it's almost like we think we're forgiven of a dollar or two by God. It's like, of course, he'll, take, he'll flip that bill for us. It's no problem. No, folks, this is a debt that we can't pay. And yet our God was willing, through sending His Son to give the free gift of eternal life, willing to wipe away that debt, and we get to go free. And this is when we stop and say, Lord, I love you. The forgiveness. Forgiveness then, if recognized fully, then takes away of future guilt because it is gone. Right? David understood that all of the sin, the transgressions that he had done, had been cleansed and washed away and he remains king, remains in office... The heir to the kingdom is, is placed in, if you will, all as well. But what we don't see is David continually going backwards and wallowing around in the garbage, in the guilt that he had once done. Do you ever find yourself like me, especially the older we get, looking back at our life and saying, wow, was I stupid. Why in the world did I allow this to happen? How could I have let these type of people influence me in such a negative way? How could I have let them ruin years of my life? Why, was I, why did I do these things? And we can sometimes go backwards and, and forget that our God has forgotten, has cleansed us from those sins, and we, what we have to, we oftentimes do, is continually wallow around in the guilt of what we had done. Cute story, little boy visiting his grandparents and given his first slingshot. Well, he practiced in the woods. See, we've been there, you know, yeah. Mine was a BB gun. But he, went, he practiced in the woods, but he could never hit his target. So he came back to Grandma's backyard, and he spied her pet duck. Now, of course, on an impulse, he took, him, took aim and, and let it fly. Well, the stone hit, and the duck fell dead. That's when everybody goes, aw. Well, the boy panicked, and desperately, he hid the dead duck in a woodpile, only to look up and to see his sister watching. Sally had seen it all, and she said nothing. Well, after lunch that day, Grandma said, Sally, let's wash the dishes. But Sally said, Johnny told me. He wanted to help in the kitchen today. (laughs) Didn't you, Johnny? And she whispered over to him, Remember the duck. (laughs) So Johnny did the dishes. Later, Grandpa asked if the children wanted to go fishing. Grandma said, I'm sorry, but I need Sally to help make supper. Sally smiled and said, Oh, that's all taken care of. Johnny wants to do it. Again, she whispered, remember the duck. Johnny stayed while Sally went fishing. After several days of Johnny doing both his and her chores, finally he couldn't stand it. And he confessed to Grandma that he killed the duck. She said, I know Johnny giving him a hug, I was standing at the window and saw the whole thing. (laughs) And because I love you, I forgave you, I was just wondering, how long would you let Sally make you a slave of it? How long do we allow guilt to put us into slavery? We can do that. Matter of fact, we can let others do that also. Continuing in guilt is not of God. And as we learn in the D1 books, Discipleship 1 books, that Satan, no doubt, and self-pride can be the culprit to let us wallow around in the guilt of what we have done, even though God has forgiven. Even man, possibly, has forgiven. But when we look at our lives and we think, How could I have done that? How did I miss Satan's temptation? How could I have missed doing the obvious things wrong and allowing my life to spiral down so far into all of this and we then look at ourselves as unworthy of forgiveness? I don't deserve it. Especially when it's a repeat offense. Then we come back and say, Lord... Here we go again. And then we go back to the clear teachings of Jesus when questioned about well, how often we're we supposed to forgive somebody. You know, Well, basically, hundreds and hundreds of times we are to forgive because that's what God did for Israel, and that's why He gave those numbers. And so sure enough we, as we look at ourselves in our God's sight, we stop and realize that our God is the one that is willing to forgive us over and over and over and over again. Folks, until we die. Are we worthy of the forgiveness? No, that's why it's called grace. Uh, What do we deserve? Death and hell. But His mercy is extended to us and we are pulled out because of the care, the pity that our God has, has for us. And this is when, of course, we give the most obvious verse that many of us have, have memorized as a young Christian. And if you haven't, it is First 1 John 1, 1.9. That if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's done It's cleansed it's washed away and yet we continue to wallow around many times in the guilt of what we had committed wrong I was a little kid and uh, I was an unsaved little kid remember this and uh, so mom's always all the time don't throw the ball in the house I mean if I had a dollar for every time I heard that one right don't throw the ball in the house do we listen of course not Throwing, and sure enough, I hit this really beautiful crystal that mom had on an end table, hit that thing, and smashed it into a hundred pieces. And of course, no hiding it. Crash, you know, mom comes around, and what'd you do? You were playing ball again? I can't believe that. And so, sure enough, I broke that. Uh, My buddy, whose name was Tom, he called me a couple weeks later and said, hey, i the Harlem Globetrotters are going to be close. Would you like to go to see the Harlem Globetrotters? We we're going to take care of everything. You just come along. And I said, can't go. He said, why? I said, trust me. I'll never be allowed to go. Because <laughs> in my mind, I know what I did. Mom's going to say, I'll get you back, boy. You he ain't going. So, well, later on down the road, my mom found out. That they had invited me to go. And she came to me. And she said, Why didn't you ask if you could go see the Globetrotters? I said, Because, Mom, you never would have let, let me go because of, of breaking that glass. And she said, Carl, you would have been allowed to go. It's okay. Isn't communication and family such a needful thing? <laughs> I could have seen, I still haven't, I'm 51 years old and I still haven't seen the Globetrotters, you know? It's all because of guilt of something that was already forgiven by my parent. How many times do we think we have to keep coming back to God thinking, Lord, you probably didn't really understand the depth of what I did wrong the first time. What you forgave is probably not the rest of the story. We more, this is deep, what I did. And God's saying, if you confess it to me, I will forgive you because I am qualified. I'm the righteous one capable of forgiving. And by the way, that text is dealing with Christians. He's not talking about lost people in that text of 1 John 1. He's talking about you and I chapter 2, My little children, I write these things unto you that you sin not, but if we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father. It's Jesus Christ the righteous. And He is. That is, Jesus Christ continually is being the propitiation for our sins. Ours, the Christians. But He says, Not for ours only, though, but for the sin of the whole world. That's the depth of the love of God and the capability qualified to be able to forgive And yet sometimes, sometimes we forget. The other thing I have found is that sometimes people won't let us move on from our past. There was a couple I was counseling, actually, she didn't come At one time. I don't think she liked what I said. Uh, And uh, so I meet with him, trying to get him through his misery of life, and... uh, the whole issue was every time he tried to go forward with being the leader in the home, the spiritual leader, he's being church, he's praying, he's in a Word, he's being a good faithful witness, he's being a good husband, he's trying to do everything. But because some time ago he lied to her about something, and um, because there was times he would say, hey, I should be home by 9 o'clock. Well, if it was 9.15 that he got home, then he was a liar and deceiver and, and a really bad husband. And um, um, she was pretty strict, okay? And uh, so he's trying to work all this through. I said, well, you need to call. If you're going to be even five minutes late, you need to call, you know, make sure. And he'd say, I try, and he'd get through two weeks, and he'd be doing okay, and he wouldn't be reprimanded for doing one little thing wrong inside of his home. And every time he'd say, I want to be the spiritual leader, she would bonk him on the head saying, you're not worthy to be a leader because you did this, and you did that to me. Can you... I am so glad for my wife when I am done with counseling. I can't imagine living with that kind of strictness, with no grace, no mercy, no, it's okay. But rather, even if he says, I'm sorry, yeah, but I'm not going to forget it because I know you're going to do it again and keep bringing them and beating them back down. And he said, every time I want to read my Bible with my wife, she would say, you're not worthy. Every time he would want to pray, she would not listen to him because she says, you're nothing but a or I don't even think you're saved. She would tell him. Listen, there are times, seemingly, that man or Christian's standards are higher than God's. Almost to the point where we as Christians sometimes can become like a Pharisee. That I'm better than you, so you're unworthy because you did this and I didn't, so therefore I'm better than you. And it's almost like that guy in the temple standing and praying, I'm glad I'm not like this sinner. I give the alms and I help people. I do this and I do that. I'm glad I'm not like this sinner. Do you ever find yourself there that you're condemning? somebody else or maybe you are the one that's being condemned even though you've confessed you got it right you're not doing it and you're still being bonked on the head don't you think you're ever going to be good enough that's not of God and don't be like that Christians we forgive as our God has forgiven us we show grace as our God has forgiven and given us grace and mercy. And everything that is extended from the character of our God is to now be ours. And, and that's why we treat one another with kindness. We don't beat up people with our words. We don't condemn others. Because God says if you do that as Christian to others uh, with that same judgment, then I'm going to be giving it to you. That's really a big one, isn't it? So I'm like really hard on people. That means God says, okay, you're going to judge people that way? I'm going to judge you the exact same way then. You want to talk about perfection? How would you like to have God judging you based on what we deserve on absolute perfection? His perfection. None would be able to stand before him. The other thing uh, I have noticed with this feeling of guilt is sometimes because of where we have been and we're going through things in life and we start putting ourselves on guilt trips. And we've got to be careful of that. Matter of fact, sometimes I notice in my past that because God forgave me of so much, I want to give my all to Christ. And so when somebody comes up and says, hey, do this, do this, I am absolutely be glad to do that. And then do this, do this, and this. Oh, absolutely, I do that because Jesus loves me so much and He forgave me so much that I got to do that one too because somebody asked me to do it. And then before long, you stop and you say, who am I and what am I actually doing in life? Because there's so many things. The, the years of, of college, I wish somebody who had really gone through an experience would have sat down with me and said, Carl you're crazy right now with what you're doing. Back off. The word no is okay. But every time was asked me to do, I would do it to the expense of my wife and children. Because I felt guilty if I said no, that I would be perceived as ungodly. Don't care. Not willing. So... You know, Sunday, the first day of the week, you get up at whatever time, try to get some studying in, get to church about 7 o'clock. You say, why would you go so early? It's bus ministry time. So you get out, go all over the mountains of Pennsylvania, picking up these little kids, bringing them to church. And then you teach uh, uh, Sunday school, and then you teach church, and then you take, and, and of course you sang in the choir, and then you take them home. And you're home about 1.30, you study for about two hours, you're back at 4 o'clock, because you have to be in choir. So we get in choir, sing there for an hour, then you got quartet practice, the solos and everything, and then you don't go to church then, no, you go to the nursing homes, because you've got to teach them also in that given day. And then you get back up uh, the next morning and go to college, and your day starts at about 5.30, and then you go to college, 16 credit hours, and then you get home after your hour drive back from school, and then you eat real quick, quick, and you, you uh, kiss your kids, and uh, no, yeah, yeah, you, you kiss your wife and spank the kids. That's the way it is. And then you run off to work, and you work forty hours, and you come home and you sleep. You know, you basically study yourself to sleep, and then involved, you've got the the uh, uh, places that you were preaching for uh, juvenile. Uh, delinquents, and you're traveling an hour to preach there, and then, of course, Saturday is, is uh, of course, you've got to get up and do your bus route, and folks, when I look at my life, I didn't even have a life. I didn't even study hardly the way I wish I would have, because I felt guilty. I felt I had to do it all, and I felt I had to be Superman. And I have learned through the years, and I'm hoping this is helping some of you Dear older saints, that it's okay to say no because more isn't always better. What happens that I found is that everything was getting done about half, including my family, including my studies, and those years that I should have been zeroing in on that. And all these deacons, all these guys were hovering. You were late. You weren't here. And they're hammering me. And I'm looking at them and you don't even understand. I just, I, I just needed an extra half hour of sleep because I was exhausted living on three to six hours of sleep every night. I was mentally, physically exhausted. I didn't have time to get sick. You know what I'm saying? You don't have time. It would put you so far... You memorize verses in the car for the hour drive. You can read five pages. You do all these hundred verses you have to memorize in three months. All of this stuff that you have to do just to appease the teachers. I had a sweet saint talk to me this week and said, I looked at my life... I'm going on 80 years old and there's not a day that I don't have something major going on with here, church, family, you know, where I live, everything. There's always something going on. It's okay to say no and don't feel guilty about it. We beat ourselves up. Guilt is not of God. Guilt is what we put on ourselves and then we pull ourselves back or we try to go overboard. By the way, commercial for us as a church, okay, is is this. That typically, you know, 10 to 20% of the people do 90% of the work in church. You probably have heard that statistic. If not, maybe you're newer to the church. It's, there's a lot of truth to it. And there are needs. This is Pastor Nate said. We need one person a month, you know, to, to go in to help out with the children's congregation. And you know what? With a church of as many as we have, we should be begging for that. Are you kidding me? I'm sorry, i got to preach just a just, just smidgen, okay? Because your preacher looks at this and says, okay, but we're here in Sunday school, we're here at church, we're here Sunday night, and we're here Wednesday night. And we can't give up one, one Sunday out of the month to help people out. You realize, folks, what happens in children's congregation and Sunday school is as important as anything else that happens in this place. We're teaching the future. Because we're going to be dead soon. And these little kids are going to be coming up through. And they're going to be taking over. And we got to minister to these kids. And we need you indoctrinated so that you can teach them the doctrines. It's like a really neat thing that God created a long time ago. And so... Let us be involved because we're losing some good folks here. And it's kind of putting a pinch on the leadership saying who we're going to get. Well, let's get qualified and let's do it and get to work because what's going to happen if you don't, the same people that are doing 50 things already are going to say, okay, I can do this. I I can help out there. Great will be your reward but we'd like to we'd like to share the blessing you know what i mean we're fun yet so if you're not saved you're guilty before god but he doesn't want you guilty he sent his son to die for you so if you trust jesus christ as your savior you are guiltless forgiven cleansed heaven bound child of god get saved okay As a child of God, when we do something wrong, we say, Lord, this is what I've done. We are very clear, defining to our God what we know that we have done wrong, and He has forgiven us, and it's done deal. We don't wallow around in the guilt of it. If people begin to attack us, we have to realize that I'm not here to please man. I'm here to please my God. And if my God says I'm forgiven, and even if man condemns me... I choose God. Follow me? Okay? No matter what the Pharisees may do. Okay? So the next thing is getting into our life as Christians, we live in with guilty feelings. So we have to stop and we have to mature and understand I'm not Superman. I need to be involved, but I also have to balance everything in my life with family, with church, with work, with everything that is going on around us everything has to be balanced and we can't beat ourselves up if we're not doing it all we sometimes do to get the applaud of men but I'm not here to get the applaud of men I'm here to get the applaud of my God and so we do what we can for our God and that's where maybe some could get involved hopefully you feel guilty for not doing (laughs) boy, are we having fun yet? Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. And we thank you for the plan of salvation. We thank you, Lord, that through your wonderful, wonderful plan, knowing the fall of man, you provided, even from the foundation of the whole world, that the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, would die for us. Oh my Lord, how thankful we are that we were the one that was in debt so far that even in our lifetime, we could never pay it back. But Lord Jesus, You 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 forgave us. And You've cleaned our slate and we're now at zero guilt. And You've forgiven us and we thank You for that. Lord, there may be some here that haven't experienced that forgiveness. May they today. Lord, help us as Christians to stop and think of our lives, of the times that we feel guilty. Lord, help us to be able to get a biblical perspective of guilt and not allow others to impose it on us, control us, put us into that slavery. But Lord, may we be freed to serve you. Father, I pray that you'll bless this invitation. Lord, it is yours We've tried to share Your Word today, show the folks the concepts, so Lord, help us to take it to our heart and to practice it, and help us to live a Spirit-filled life, which is controlled by You, so that the fruit of the Spirit can be evident in our lives, that we will be able to understand how to treat one another with our actions, with our words, and that we will not be harsh on others, but we will have the same type of a spirit that you have had with us. I pray, Lord, that you will help us with the subject of, of guilt. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together, heads bowed and eyes closed.